Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Each and every day here on the Jeff Calkins Show, we welcome Chris Harrington to the program. Let's fire it up. Now, it's Chris Harrington from the Daily Memphian on the Grizzlies, Memphis, and more. Presented by the Majestic Grill. Rediscovered downtown dining. Chris Harrington on 92.9's Jeff Calkins Show. Chris joins me now. Chris, what are we listening to? It's uh, My Old School by Steely Dan. Send that out to me today. I am coming at you from an otherwise undisclosed location on the campus of My Old School, McAllister College. In St. Paul, Minnesota, where my wife now works, I'm up here visiting her, and she found a little conference room for me to sit in and get some work done. So here I am. How cold is it? It's not bad at all. Like I haven't even worn a coat. Like it, it's, really? it's, it's it's so nice comparatively that like people who live here are freaked out about it. It's almost like an existential crisis. Yeah, like, what, like what do oh we do God, here? Right, you know, because it, it's like you know forty degrees and there's no snow on the ground. There you go. Uh, you want to start with basketball? Or do you want to start with the Grammys? Um, I I didn't watch either of those things, okay. but I did I did I did write about one of them. So we we really do whatever you want. I'll I'll, I'll fake it till I make it. Okay, so. I guess I'm the idiot, hand up. I did not realize one-third of Boy Genius was from Memphis. Yeah, she is from the suburb, eastern suburbs, Julian Baker, um, and sort of got her start, you know, as a teenager playing, like, you know, indie rock punk kind of stuff, like suburban skate, skate, skate parky, skate yeah. punky kind of stuff. Um, and she actually, early on, uh, this, 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 this Memphis filmmaker, Morgan Fox, um, where John Fox did this um, streaming series for some some like really small network that was about sort of the interconnected lives of like twenty somethings in Memphis, and like she plays at like a like in a, in a backyard like a backyard party at one of those places. I used to see her at Otherland sometime. I never really talked to her. I didn't want to go so hey introduce myself or whatever. But I would see her at Otherland's hanging out. But yeah, she so she so she was in Memphis when her first solo album came out. Came out. I don't know five, six, seven, eight years ago. I think she was still living in Memphis at that point. And then after that, moved to Nashville. I don't know where she lives now, whether it's still Nashville or somewhere else. And so she is Memphis. She was raised in Memphis. She is no longer Memphis-based, but she is. She, she certainly got her start here. And, I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I guess I was just surprised. I mean, obviously, I'm more familiar with Phoebe Bridges, or Bridge, Bridgers, I should say. Bridgers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because I believe you introduced me to her on one of yeah. the songs that you. So, all, so all, all three of the women in that band, Lucy Dacus, Phoebe Bridgers, and um, Julian Baker, 
Stephen Bridger's from California, Julie Baker's from Memphis. I don't know where Lucy Dacus Doc is originally from. They were all solo artists and put out, Lucy, Julie Baker put out two solo albums. And like Stephen Bridger's and Lucy Dacus each put out like two or three solo albums. And then they were sort of all just friends. And then they all got together for this, you know, this, the, this band, Boy Genius, which I think as successful as Stevie Bridger's was, and she got pretty big. Uh, I think, you know, the combined forces made them much bigger than any of them were individually. So it's been quite a success story for them. Yeah, would that qualify as a super group? Well, the idea, the whole point of, of their group, and it's right down to the name, they call themselves Boy Genius, these three women, is they're sort of, it's sort of a commentary on, like, the male classic rock super group. Like, they're, they are li- literally modeled after Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Yeah. To the point that some of their early, like, publicity photos... They, they they sort of replicated some of the Crosby, Stills, and Nash photos. And then you have sort of their, their sort of vocal quality. You know, it's part tribute and part sort of commentary. It's sort of like a turf grab. Like, we're, you know, as young women, we can have our, our own classic rock supergroup situation the way, you know, all these men used to do. And so they're sort of trying to do their version of that. Are they going to add a young uh, yeah, that, that's a good question. I don't know who that would be, but that, that would be, if you want to follow the pattern, that's yeah. going to be your next move. Like, who's your ringo, right? Yeah, who? Get PJ Harvey out of retirement. She's not retirement. She's still making records. We get her back over from England, put a guitar in her hand. Maybe that, that could be it. Could Haley Williams qualify? Uh, no, too commercial. You're too commercial? Way. Yeah. Who? Yeah. yeah, that is a good question. Who would be the Neil Young equivalent? I don't I don't even know. Uh, let's, okay. get, let's go to basketball. So... We have – Jeff was asking whether or not this is deadline week or Super Bowl week. I'm like, I, I think it's still going to qualify as, as Super Bowl week. I do think the – Yeah, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think we're going to get any trades, certainly not from the Grizzlies or from anyone else that's going to obscure the Super Bowl. I, I, think, I think that's pretty safe. When we talk about next year's roster, for you, what is the next big question? Um, I think the next big question – I think most of what they're going to have next season is in place. I think you know the, you know, the question of the draft pick, you're going to get a top 10 pick. Do you use that on player? Do you trade it for someone? Or do you sort of break it up and, like, you know, like you could go trade down for two picks or trade down for a pick and a player? You're going to do something with that pick, whichever way you take it, that's going to add a significant piece or more, more to your roster next season. And then you have the question of replacing Steven Adams in your, in your front court rotation as a true center. And it could be those two, t- two things are the same thing, right? I think it's pretty likely that one way or the other, whatever you do with that draft pick, it's going to produce the player that replaces Steven Adams. That's fairly likely. And so maybe those two, those two things are the same thing, but those are the two things to me, the two main things. And to me, I guess this is the question that I have. If you're going to replace Steven Adams with another current player, so let's say they, they don't go in and they want to use the draft pick somehow, some way, the thing that that I'm more interested in is financially, how would they make that work? Because if you're going to sign someone, presumably what you're looking at, what that $12 million range, perhaps what, what, right. What, right. Is that, is that a rough number? 12.6. Let's yeah. see that out of for next season. Yeah. So you're looking at roughly that number. Doesn't that still require you to, to do more with your actual roster? Cause if we were using your napkin math last week, what I think you pencil on eight million for a rookie, so we're still talking about yeah. what a four and a half million dollar difference. Would so, Xavier I, coming I, off? Does that matter? So I wrote this last week in, in my uh, my reaction column to Stephen Adams, but I reiterate, I don't think they're done doing like 
you know, moves that add flexibility. And so, you know, the Stephen Adams, subtracting that 12.6 from Stephen Adams takes them from what have been, would have been the quote-unquote second apron of the lecture tax back down into a sort of comfortable territory. And maybe it puts them in this place, even including the draft pick, where they would be comfortable being. But unless you just draft a center with your draft pick and say, we're done here, you're probably not done adding. And so I think if they're not done adding, they're also not done subtracting. I, I think I think any additions beyond the draft pick are likely to have to be offset financially somewhere else. And that's why I think, you know, keep an eye on this week. Maybe, 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 maybe not Luke Kennard, but definitely keep an eye on, you know, your Conchar, Zion Williams, David Roddy, Jake Laravia quartet. Yeah. But I, I think I think if there's a good chance they try to move some of that money just completely off off the books going into next season and do it before you get to the summer. In order, in order to make give you a little bit more flexibility to do the kind of stuff we're talking about, in terms of the draft pick, in terms of adding maybe a veteran center. How how many players do you think right now? How many players do you comfortably feel right now the Grizzlies are going to take into next year? Of their current roster, yeah, I think I think quite a bit actually. I mean, I, I think this team like has its top five players for next season, and that is you know. John Moran, Desmond Bain, Jared Jackson, and Marcus Martin, I think Diz Williams now in terms of in terms of how many minutes a guy plays. Um, so that's five. I think Brandon Clark makes it six. I think, you know, they'll elevate Gigi Jackson. That makes it seven. Um, and I think uh, among the rest, you know, I think there will be multiple others who keep. But at that point, it's sort of you're, you're guessing a little bit who it is who it's not. Like it's, I think Santiago Aldama more likely than not, you know, then you have the Kennard question. And I think we talk about that quartet of wings I just mentioned. I think one or more will be gone. I also think one or more will be back. But I have no strong conviction about which. It may strictly be a matter of, like, who can you get something for, really? Well, and that kind of brings me back to the canard question. Is there, in your mind, is there a reality in which the only option they really are left with to start to, to deal with the financials is not, you know, not use the team option on Luke? Because that, that's a simple, hey. simple math. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly the easiest. That, that That's sort of the lever that's easiest to do something with. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, that, that's your path of least resistance on it. That said, I think they really like Kennard shooting. And so I think there are so many different ways that could go. You could just trade Kennard and, you know, bring back, you know, someone you like on less salary if that's available to you. You could just make Kennard go poof and decline the team option. And then, like, he disappears and so does his money. And maybe at this point, now that Adams is gone, that frees you up to use your mid-level exception. That could be a question they face this summer. Would we rather have Luke Kennard or would we rather sign a free agent with our mid-level? You probably can't do both. That could be a question they face this summer. And there's another thing that people have thrown out there, myself included, that I don't know how realistic it is, but because it requires you to make a multi-year commitment to a guy who sort of seems like he's hurt a lot. But there is the possibility of declining the team option and re-signing him to a different contract that starts at a lower number. So I think all, the, all that stuff is, is on the table. Do you think there's a path in which they rework a Xavier Tillman deal and they go in with him being kind of the the fourth big and that solves the this kind of log jam we're talking about? Yeah, I wouldn't rule that out. I, I think Tillman, Tillman has had a little bit of a disappointing season. I, I think offensively he's been pretty bad this season. He's also been a little in and out injury-wise. But I think they believe, they believe, and also, frankly, the numbers believe, if you really dig deep into, like, you know, the quote-unquote advanced stats or whatever, like, 
his he he's a really good defensive player, and he's a really versatile defensive player. I mean, we've seen the Grizzlies use him to guard LeBron James and guard Kawhi Leonard and guard some of these kind of guys. So I think a guy who can play who can play like the four or the five, depending on the, who, who's with him. Like he can play with Jaron, or he can play like as, as a true center next to like Asante Aldama, right? So he's got a little bit of versatility positionally. He's got a lot more versatility defensively. And he's a good locker room guy, and so I, you know, I would not, I would not dismiss bringing him back, you know, on a lower level deal. But I think, frankly, you could trade him and still bring him back this summer, even though you would have the bird rights. And so I, I got to think if they could get positive value for him now, heading into free agency, they, they had a, you know, if it's a second round pick or two, I think you probably got to try to do that. Do you think the most attractive asset that they're going to have uh, that they'd be willing? That they'd like. Yeah, I was going to say Desmond Bain. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah, beyond right. those, is their most attractive asset their first round pick this year? Oh yeah, I mean that's going to be a top ten pick. And even though this draft is considered sort of a weaker draft, like you know, you you can find the weakest drafts in NBA history, and guess what? You're going to find like you know good players. Um, you know, you're going to find Mike Miller in the worst draft in NBA history. You're going to find the draft that people talk about and compare this the most to, which is I think the draft of like anything better. Whoever went number one. Like, you know, Giannis Antetokounmpo and Rudy Gobert in that draft. So, like, there are players there. And if you're looking, if you're like Grizzlies or maybe some other teams, you know, if you're picking seven, eight, nine, which is probably the most likely range, seven through nine, you're not necessarily looking for your franchise superstar. You're looking for a quality rotation player. That's what you're hoping to get. If you luck into a Giannis, you know, that, that that's great, obviously. But that's not what your real reasonable goal is when that pick range. Your reasonable goal is, a guy who could be your third, fourth, fifth best player in time. And I don't think even in a draft that's going to be as uncertain as this one, like it's very possible you could find that kind of player with that kind of pick. And so I think that that has value. Do you think they'd be more likely to use that pick or to move that pick? I think – so I think I think they're going to keep their options open and see like how the draft falls and see who they like. It's notable to me that they have a need at center in this draft Base again. This is based on published stuff. I I don't have it about my own opinions yet. I'll do that in time. It's sort of probably starting to become time. But based on all the mocks and the player rankings that you can read anywhere, this draft is loaded with center prospects, and usually so from the from the number, potential number one pick all the way down to the end of the first round. There's like six or seven centers you see in that mix. So if there's one they like and they can either take with their pick or maneuver up or down to, you know that's an interesting proposition. But I think people focus on either take the pick either use the pick or trade the pick for a better player and get move out of the draft. I keep I keep a close eye on the idea of trading down. Like if the guy they like they can get four or five picks later and then they get a second first round pick or or or, or a player with a good contract, like I could easily see them doing that kind of deal. Zach Kleiman has a history of moving around in the draft. That is for certain. Like you, you stay at number two and you take John Moran, but otherwise most of the picks he's made have been draft draft week or draft night trades where he has moved around in the draft. And so I think his, his instinct is to figure out what you want and to go try to do it. And sometimes that works out, like with Desmond Bain, and sometimes it doesn't, like with Jake Arabia. But he has tended to be aggressive with the draft in terms of moving around. And you think if they move, it's more likely they move down than move up? I think so. If you look at the way, I don't have it in front of me, if you look at the way the draft is shaped up, there are lots of teams with multiple picks. Like, 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 I think Oklahoma pick Oklahoma City has two picks, like in that like ten to fifteen range, and like there are other teams like Atlanta. They're back to back. They're back to back right now at twelve and thirteen. Yeah, so Atlanta's got a pick that's both, both like a couple spots behind the Grizzlies, and then they have a second first round pick later. You know, 
So is there some deal, like, you know, like that? They have Sacramento. They have, they have their own, at, which would be nine right now, and obviously that doesn't factor in the lottery. And they have the Kings at 21. Right, yeah, 9 and 21 for 7 or whatever. I mean, that's the sort of a, a, a typical kind of trade you see in drafts sometimes. Yeah. It all depends on what team, who, who teams won and where they fall. But it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, a trade I've thrown out there, and this is strictly me making stuff up, but like, if there's a guard on the board that Orlando really likes with the Grizzlies pick, like, I think Orlando's like 16 or something right now, do you, do you move back 7, 8 spots and you get Wendell Carter to be your center? You know, I mean, that's something like that, right? Do you like him as a player? I do, and I like him particularly as a fit with the Grizzlies because he's a good rebounder. He's a good rebounder, and he can space the floor and make open shots. And so I think the Grizzlies, you know, the two things they most need from their center position is probably rebounding and the ability to fit into an offense without having the ball because they got John Morant and Desmond Bain and Joe Jackson to handle the ball. And so you're not your center is not going to be a guy you're running a lot of plays for. Um, so the idea that he can rebound and then he can like pick and pop with John, space the floor, and stay out of the way and still have offensive value, I think he's a particularly good fit for the Grizzlies. What else are you watching for this week with deadline week? You know, there's a, a lot of people, you know, at least in the media, people tend to think it's, tr- it's trending toward quiet. Yeah. We've already gotten major deals. We got the Pascal Siakam early. We got the OG Ananobi early. Yeah. You know, Grizzlies did their Steven Adams deal. So it feels like the biggest moves have maybe already happened. It's hard to see. You know, Pascal Siakam has made all NBA teams. I don't think it doesn't seem like there's another all NBA player in his prime that's going to move. Um, I think the the, 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 the the most meaningful player that people are expecting might move is DeJounte Murray from Atlanta. I don't think that's a like put Super Bowl put Super Bowl on page page B two kind yeah. of move, right? Um, it's certainly a meaningful, a meaningful player if he moves to a team that's in a playoff race, like the Lakers or whatever. I mean, that's a meaningful trade. I think our old friend Tyus Jones has to be high on the list. I don't yeah. know why Washington wouldn't just get whatever they can for him as he has sword free agency. But I, I don't. I think you know the idea. I don't know what would be a blockbuster, right? If Atlanta did a surprise trade, Trey Young trade, I think that would count. Or Minnesota did a surprise Paul Anthony House trade, or. You know, certainly the the one trade that would like maybe move the Super Bowl is like if LeBron James like out of the blue got dealt, right? Yeah. But I, I I don't see anything like that happening. Yes, Donovan Mitchell, but it doesn't feel like that that's really on the table, it like right? That's gotten quiet. It feels like that's being tabled to the summer because that, that 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 team is right is right up in the mix. Has a chance to be the two seed in the East right now, especially with Philadelphia sort of struggling. Certainly has a chance to be a top four seed with Philadelphia struggling. So I think Cleveland is just going to go. I think Cleveland's just going to do as much as they can with what they have and reevaluate in the summer would be my guess. And of course, the other big news of the week is that, or of the weekend, I should say, is that Joel Embiid has the meniscus surgery. We yeah. didn't really quite get. I'm just speculating based on what I've read. It seemed to me like they didn't do the meniscus repair. It seemed like they did the meniscus shave because they're talking, they're talking vaguely like he's returning. So that was just going to be back for the playoffs, right? Correct. That was just pure speculation on my part. But when you look at the East, how does that change? How does that change your opinion of of how the East looks now? You know, if he if he is back and he is himself in the playoffs, then that you know that team's going to be a factor wherever they're seated. I think they have enough cushion. They're going to be. They're certainly going to be at least a play-in team. I'm guessing maybe. I don't know. It's going to get dicey for them to stay in the top six. Yeah, I mean, right uh, I, now I think they're I, at seven, right? Oh, are they already? I think so. so. I certainly think that clears out the top four spots for other teams. Philadelphia's, I 
I think highly unlikely. I mean, there's some good players there. I'm sorry, they're at the five, but they're at the five. So the farthest it really looks like they could fall is probably the six. But okay, so 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 they got a decent chance to stay in the top six above the playing line. Not guaranteed, but a decent chance. Correct. But it feels unlikely they're going to be in that top four. And then when you when you talk about Milwaukee, Cleveland, New York, maybe could be those three teams behind Boston. Um, And so. You know, I, I think Philly, even with a healthy MB, was like third and best third in the most likely list behind Boston and Milwaukee. So I don't know if it shakes things up that much. To me, the real question is Philadelphia and Embiid. And I, I was just set aside for a second what's best for his long-term, long-term health as a human being, which I think is ultimately the most important. But, like, that's not really what we're talking about in basketball terms in terms of this season and next season and whatever. I just think with him – I just don't, you know, I, it, it's reached the point. His body is just not made for a six-month basketball season followed by four rounds of playoffs. Yeah. And I hate it because he's one of the best players in the world, but his body is just not made for all of that. And I don't know, A, how much faith you could have and, you know, how many more seasons you're going to get with him at MVP level, but even more so how much faith you could have in him lasting. It almost feels like you want to let him, like, take off the first half of a season or whatever and, like, you know, start the clock at game 45 or something with him. And, hey, you know, I, I just think you, you just can, I just don't know how you could have faith in him lasting across an October to April calendar. Yeah, I'm with you. Chris, we really appreciate your time, my man. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade used with permission.